So you got some Parmesan encrusted chicken? Yeah, do you dirty old bitch? You dirty old bitch. Well, welcome to Slasher I Hardly Know Her. This is the horror podcast where we, we talk about movies. All the opinions are real. All the commercials are fake. Today we're going to be talking about In the Mouth of Madness, a John Carpenter flick from 1995 starring Sam Neill and some other people. And Charlton Heston was in it. I forgot he was in that. Uh, it's kind of a mind fuck. Uh, definitely has some Lovecraftian things going on. Is it good? Is it bad? Oh, yeah. I saw it when I was a kid. It definitely wasn't as good as I remembered it uh, when I was a kid. And uh, is it a mess of a movie? It might be a little bit. I am going to get some help for uh, parsing this out, unpacking this flick. And uh, we're going to go through it scene by scene. We're going to give our opinions. We're going to rate this flick. We're going to award our crunchiest kill. Might be kind of hard for this one, but I think we might be able to come up with something. We'll also play that wonderful game show final girl we'll talk about what else we are into uh but before we do anything else let me welcome to the show my esteemed guest my brother the other half of the slasher duo i'm micah slasher please welcome to the show alex what's up you dirty old bitches dirty old bitch ah it's so good to be here yeah, man, thanks for coming on the show to talk about this movie I picked for us. What'd you think? I haven't seen this movie, I'm going to say, since 1994. 94? That's what it Were came out, Were you at out, the right? premiere? Yeah, I was there in the movie theater, I believe. You know, I think I watched it on video. I Actually, when I was digging up my news for the year, I was like, did this thing come out in 94 or 95? Google says 95. A couple of places said 94. I dug a little deeper, and it talked about a premiere in 1994 and then theatrical re release in 1995. So I was like, uh, I guess I'll go with 1995, but I wasn't 100% sure on that. I don't either. Like, when, we, when I pick the movie, and I'm trying to figure out what the – what you know what the year is i often get both I, I get i get the one that is kind of everybody says it came out that year but then like wikipedia will say it was the year before or like i, I don't know what the deal is i don't i don't know how to determine which one i should be saying don't care do though like, either do, do you feel like google and wikipedia are getting worse at getting their facts straight uh, we've talked about it here on the show. Yes, absolutely. It's telling me that people are in movies that I know are not in those movies. And yeah. that's pretty common. And I guess it's because they're both crowdsourced. I don't know. Well, Google's not necessary. Well, I don't know. Is Google crowdsourced? I guess technically it is, right? Kind of. Like, I think they'll just grab the most, uh, I don't know, appropriate website and then say, this is the fact. What still astonishes me is that we live in 2023, and I can Google something, and it'll say, no results. Uh, it's like, what? Yeah. How can no one have in the world that had the same question as me here? Well, hey, listeners, uh, whoever you are all across the globe, thanks for joining us today. Whoever you are, who are you? Where are you? Where are you listening to the show? Are you telling your friends about it? Are you on the toilet listening to the show? Are well, you out for a walk? 
We know our listening audience represents one one billionth of our Instagram audience because you say we're blowing up on Instagram, but here for these shows, it is just our tried and true regulars, it seems like. Yeah, man. Hey, Which you isn't know, bad. It's dozens and dozens of people, but... <laughs> A lot of women, too, I've noticed. And we're starting to get some younger people checking it out. So That's kind of cool. That is cool. I think it's because... What's up, ladies? Thanks I, for listening to the show. We love ladies of horror. Yeah. I think it's because we sound handsome and immature. So women and children love the show. I sound handsome. You sound immature. Is that what you were driving at? Sure. I mean, I'll take whatever you want. I'm kidding. You're very handsome. Oh, you. <laughs> you sound very yeah. handsome. <laughs> You're a very handsome man. <laughs> I've never, I always thought like when I was young, I was like, man, I can absolutely tell if someone's good looking by just the sound of their voice. 100% can do. I mean, like I was convinced I could do it. And uh, my buddy and I, this was back in the days of teen phone lines. Remember those? And uh, teen phone lines. Yeah, it would be your parents were in the phone book, but then underneath the the name would say teen phone line. If you had your own yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have one, but my neighbor had one, and I was jealous. Well, my brother had one, and uh, some some girls were just going through the phone book and calling teen lines and just talking to boys. And we hit it off with these two girls, and we were gonna go and meet him and we talked to him for like a couple of weeks and i you know i told my buddy i said listen uh i'm getting this one because she obviously sounds you know very hot and this is the one i want and the other one sounded you know like an old farmer man and i was like <laughs> i was like you're jumping on that grenade buddy and so yeah. we went and we meet up and the old the one that sounded like the old farmer man was like a supermodel. She was so beautiful. <laughs> and the one that sounded so hot looked like a little troll and that's the one I ended up with. So, oh. Yeah. And so since you, then you unwittingly jumped on the grenade. I jumped he jumped on the grenade. He got all I mean he was going to do it, but his girl ended up being gorgeous and mine smoking just, hot grenade. Just kept trying to Get me to solve her riddles three to go every time I wanted to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Speaking of you being handsome, I remember I was dating a girl, and after she met you, like, and we had left, and we weren't hanging out with you anymore. She's like, "Your friend Alex is super cute," and uh, of course that that filled me with rage, and I broke <laughs> up with her. <laughs> I don't believe that story at all. Well, that's not why uh, I broke up with her, uh, but I would later break up with her. I and, you know, it didn't help that I she said you were super cute. I still don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I think I've known every girl you dated, and every one of them hated me. True story. True story. Uh, said you were super cute. I oh, remember it. Well, that's cool. I'm glad I Because I remember anything that makes me mad, and then I stew on it for years. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make sure that I'm never happy and relaxed. Well, my wife thinks I'm super cute, so she told me that just today. So I'm gonna, Aww. I'm gonna take that to the bank. I'm holding on to that Hell one. Yeah. Uh, All right, so want to jump into "In the Mouth of Madness" starring I, Sam Neill? If uh, you insist. Speaking of Sam Neill, he he, I've noticed when I look back at his career, he likes the mind fuck movies. He did "In the Mouth of Madness," he did "Possession," and he did "Event Horizon," which are all just about mind fuck. Can I believe what's really happening? Is it real? It's it's. Uh, I guess he's got a sweet spot for those scripts when they show up on his desk. Why well, in Jurassic Park? I don't know if that if that fits with the narrative I'm trying to create here. Oh, you're man. really, you're really blowing up my spot that's here. That's such a mind fuck. 
dinosaurs nowadays? What? <laughs> I think that was one that was like, oh, it's Steven Spielberg. Of course I said yes, and he didn't even look at the script. Mm-hmm. That's probably He was great in that, though. You know, I, hey, I, speaking I, of Spielberg, uh, he, Spielberg and James Cameron, I, bo- I saw interviews with both of these guys where they are talking about this movie that I think was made in India called RRR, which stands for, I can't remember what the R's stand for, but they were both impressed with this movie. It's on Netflix. I think it came out this month or maybe in January. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I guess I need to watch it since both Spielberg and Cameron say it's it's pretty impressive. I got to be honest, with the exception of Terminator 2, I'm not a huge James Cameron guy. Yeah, you didn't go see either of the Avatar movies, did you? No. No, I didn't, and I have no plans to. What uh, about the Abyss? Uh, yeah, Titanic? I, I've seen the Abyss. I've seen the Titanic once. I didn't think it was great. It's fine. Speaking of Titanic, I was looking at movies, just like showtimes in my area, and mm-hmm. Titanic is playing at a theater in town today. I don't know if that's across the globe or if that was just the theater doing something fun and special. Well, maybe you should take the little woman. It's I I hear that it's wildly romantic you know i would except that we watched it within the last i don't know six months or something like that and it's three hours long so i don't see us lining up to go see titanic today but i did notice that that new found footage horror movie that uh some critics have been loving uh, called the outwaters came out on friday it picked up distribution and is now in theaters it looks kind of cool maybe yeah, it's it, found footage i've I've heard it's kind of blair witchy uh one critic said it was like blair witch meets event horizon so you're gonna get some serious gore and mind fuckery uh but yeah it, it's an only an hour and 40 minutes but i have a feeling it's gonna be a lot like blair witch in that you're gonna sit through a lot of setup before you get to the carnage at the end now, what? this one delivers on Carnage, unlike Blair Witch, from what I hear. It gets pretty nasty. Let's talk about mind fuckery. Yes. I'm not a huge fan of mind fuckery in movies because it's kind of like anything goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Whereas you and I would sit down to write a movie and we were like, well, this doesn't make sense. We need this character to do this so that this can come mm-hmm. to fruition. But in a movie like In the Mouth of Madness, it's like, how about this crazy thing happens? Do we need to explain it? Fuck no, we don't. And it nothing has to like jive up with anything else. In mm-hmm. the in the end, nothing could have made sense. And so it's it's like a little kid telling you a story. Like it's like, tell me a little, you know, tell me a scary story, little boy. And that's what these movies represent to me. It's it's like, oh, and then there's a guy with no eyes, and he comes out, and he's like, whoa, and it's like it has to, it doesn't have to have anything to do with the plot. It's really hard to pull off a good mind fuck movie. Uh, In the Mouth of Madness, I was a little bit frustrated while I was watching it because I'm like, okay, we're walking along, crazy thing happens, guy with an axe shows up, we're walking mm-hmm. along. There's an alley full of people, you know, chopping up a, a hobo. No, it was the agent. Anyway, 
We should probably talk about the blurb of this movie. Um, let me see if I can pull up a good blurb. Right. Alex, stall for time. Uh, it's time to put on makeup. It's time to light the lights. It's time to get things started on the Muppet Show tonight. Do we have to pay to sing that song? Nah, because I'm I'm pretty sure I got enough of the words wrong that it's still legal. Yeah, we just comment on it. You know, I was actually wondering, like, are we allowed to play music like a radio station? No. Can we play songs by bands if we say who it is and no. what album it's on and the name of the song? How do we get the rights to do that? Because occasionally I want to be like, and here is a metal song. Well, you could pay for ASCAP rights, or we could just use it and not monetize our podcast, probably. Uh, maybe not, though. And... uh that would be that. I mean, we could pay ASCAP rights. That'd be fine. I wonder how much that is. Okay, oh, it's here is the blurb. Oh no, never, never mind. Then we'll just we'll just mouth metal metal music with our own mouth. Double bass. <laughs> Speaking of metal music, this in the mouth of man has started out hard. Did uh-huh. it not? I mean, it was like, I do not remember this. It was like hardcore face-melting metal in the I opening titles. Enter Sandman over the music because it fit. <laughs> yeah, I bet that's true. It was intense. Well, Carpenter like, and another guy movie? do the music. To that? To, to In the Mouth of Madness, yeah. I think the score was composed by John Carpenter and, and another guy. Well, that metal song, name, I don't know I'm if they did sure that, did. but that metal song shredded, dude. It was amazing. Uh, all right, here is the blurb for In the Mouth of Madness. When horror novelist Sutter Kane goes missing, insurance investigator John Trent scrutinizes the claim made by his publisher Jackson Harglow and endeavors to retrieve a yet-to-be-released manuscript and ascertain the writer's whereabouts. Accompanied by the novelist's editor, Linda Stiles, and disturbed by nightmares from reading Kane's other novels, Trent makes an eerie nighttime trek to a supernatural town in New Hampshire. <laughs> well, that's not much of a blurb. It's pretty much it. I mean, if they tried to write more, the blurb would have made no sense. Looking at the budget, this is fourteen million, comma eight million. So uh, together, I never understand. That's the same deal with budget. I saw both too, but more universally, I saw eight million as a budget, and I saw like it made eight point nine million domestically. Yeah. New Line Cinema, music by John Carpenter and Jim Lang. What? I mean, that metal music was good. In fact, the music throughout was fine. There were some good things about this movie, uh, but it just, I mean, like, the whole thing ended, and my wife, who was always like, oh, there were good parts about this, or good parts about that, mm-hmm. she just said, I did not like this movie. And yeah, I was like, you know, like, I know. Me neither. We've done some like amazing scary movies on our show, and then we've done some like super shitty B-rate movies that are fun to make fun of. This one's kind of right in the middle, so it's not quite as fun because you can't be like, "It was so bad, it's good," or "It was amazing." You'd be like, "Meh." I was sh- it, I was it, shocked. It tried. I was shocked to up. find out that uh, Industrial Light and Magic did the visual effects. And some of the visual effects looked absolutely like garbage trash. 
Uh, like that amazing part where Sutter Kane is tearing his face <laughs> yes, apart. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> that what I'm thinking. That looks so bad. Of. I was like, that I mean, is 90s visual effects. Dude, not that, good ones. that looked like something you would do in your phone video editing software. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it looked so bad. But then, in addition to that, uh, the creature effects were done by K and B and those look, mm-hmm. those look phenomenal I thought yeah they it. did they did those look cool in the hallway when Sam Neill's running away and all those you know Lovecraftian monsters are chasing him they look pretty good yeah everything about this movie was Lovecraftian a lot of the writing out of uh, Sutter Kane's yeah. books were just direct quotes or taken from Lovecraft stuff so uh, let's get to the beginning of this movie it starts out in an insane asylum that's right. Uh, they're bringing a guy out. There's a doctor in a lab coat who wants to meet the new subject, and they're going to interview him. There's this investigator there. So they bring out a guy. It's Sam Nill in a straight jacket going crazy, uh, and they have to restrain him. He starts screaming. The orderlies are trying to restrain him. He kicks one of the orderlies in the balls, later apologizes for it once they got him in a cell. I'm sorry about your balls. That's <laughs> uh, literally so, what he says. <laughs> sorry about your balls. A, we don't know why he's in an asylum yet. Uh, but yeah, they bring him in, they take him back, they put him in a padded cell and they lock him up in there and he's screaming and uh, I think that's it. And then he's like, I'm not insane. And then all the other Inmates start going, me neither. I'm not crazy. Uh, <laughs> and then our guy, I get, I'm trying to remember what that guy was that comes in to interview him, uh, who he worked for, and I really don't remember. He comes in to talk to Sam Neill's character to find out what happened, what's been going on, um, and that's when it opens up an opportunity for Sam Neill to give us this narrative of, of what happened exactly with, with the old Sutter Kane and the search for Sutter Kane. Let me see. All right, Sam Neill is John Trent. That's his character's name. That's right. Yep. And uh, is it Dr. Wren? I guess it is a doctor who comes in to talk to him. Yeah, because he constantly talks about how he, he wants to help him. He wants to get him out of there. He's just trying to find out if he's not crazy. Um, and and then we dive into the story. So we flash back, and uh, Sam Neill is a an in, an investigator, like an insurance claims investigator, something like that. And he's good. Um, oh, he's damn good. He's the you best. You can't get anything past him. Old no. John Trent can he can sniff out a lie like That's that girl right. from Poker Face. That's right. Um, Are you watching Poker Face? I haven't watched it yet, no, but I, right. I like what's his name Ryan's uh, stuff. Um, yeah, Ryan Johnson. So we'll probably watch it. Anyway, so. Uh, we cut to a scene. We're showing John Trent, Sam Neill's character, at work, and he's doing what he does. He sniffs out a lie. Some guy trying to fraudulently claim that all of his stuff was stolen. He's like, well, what about this? Uh-huh, and I saw your wife wearing the fur coat you said went missing. And he, like, walks around, puts his hand on the guy's shoulder. and <laughs> I'm like, well, are we trying to portray insurance claim investigators as, like, badass detectives he's, dude he's the best of the best <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about he was amazing uh, so then he gets hired by this publishing company that i think is run by old uh charlton heston charlton heston uh, i didn't watch the credits going in so i was surprised to see him i was like oh my god it's Charlton heston hi uh, uh, yeah i saw it in the credits and i was like wait what charlton heston's here and if 
in, uh, if Google's not lying, the paper boy is played by Hayden Christensen. That's what I, that's what I saw, man. That was his premiere role. Wow. It looked wow. like him. Who I was the see paper him. boy? Was, was he the boy riding the bike at night? Yeah. At or the, was it a different at, paper boy? At the very, very end, he, uh. he runs into him on a road, and he's like, hey, you ever heard oh. of Hobbs End? And he says, nope. I could not tell that was Hayden Christensen. Uh, I was just coincidentally reading that exact fact on IMDb as that scene was happening. So that's how I was able to to get it all together so quickly. Hmm. So he gets hired by this company. He meets Charlton Heston, who's like the the CEO or something of the publishing company that publishes Sutter Kane's novels. Uh, Sutter Kane's novels have a reputation for really getting inside the head of his readers to the point that a lot of his readers are starting to believe that what he writes is true. Like The they, seep. They buy into the whole Sutter Kane universe. The and, chief and executive to... publisher. Yeah, yeah. So Sam Neill is hired to go find him. How's he going to find By him? By the seat. We don't know. Sutter Kane is missing. <laughs> the world's most successful author who outsells everybody. He outsells Stephen King, everybody. He's the biggest writer. He makes more money than anybody. He sells more books. So uh, well, where is he? Well, don't forget, before we... You know, I, I do want to get to Final Girl here, but before we, he actually takes that job and meets Hes, Charlton Heston, uh, he's in a diner with the guy who generally hires him for stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. hey, I need you to work on this Sutter Kane thing. I need to get you on it immediately. And some guy that looks like he's out of the crazies comes walking across with an axe uh, to and chops through the diner window and starts to kill, try to kill Sam Neill. And then cops shoot him dead. Everybody's freaking out. It's crazy. And then when he is meeting with Charlton Heston, he's like, uh, so, you know, the agent has read Sutter Kane's book. Why don't you just get it from him? Why do you need me? And he's like, well, the agent's mm -hmm. dead. And he's like, he's dead. And he's like, yeah, he's the guy that was trying to chop you with the axe. So that was a big reveal, I thought. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and, and that at this point of the movie, I'm thinking, hey, man, this is pretty intriguing. And this is the last point in the movie that I think that. <laughs> it definitely slows down, but it picks up in a couple of spots. And we could talk about, like, where the movie took off for you. Um, there are definitely some points where I, I got more interested in it uh, and was like, I can see, I can see the makings of a great movie, but the execution wasn't there. We'll talk some more about that, and we'll get into a little place called Hobbs End. I like that name. Which is a town which is uh, talked about in Sutter Kane's books, and we'll have to figure out, is Hobbs End real? Is it fake? How is anything real? It? Are any of us real? Yeah. So many questions about existence in this movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But oh, we're going we're gonna to get deep. Let's hear who is playing, who was selected for this week's Final Girl. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to play Final Girl, the Final Girl Challenge, a.k.a. Final Girl, the game show. What we do is we put out an announcement on Instagram from time to time, and it says, hey, if you were in a scary movie, would you be annoyed if your slasher brother just kept doing music while you were trying to talk about the Final Girl, the game show? Or would you just keep going? I think that was the match game music. I was trying to give you some excitement. I can't multitask. I don't know if you know this about me, Alex, but I'm a simple man. No, I know that. I, I just wanted to stop talking and listen to your song. 
Oh, well. Yeah. So final girl. We throw out an announcement on Instagram. It says, if you were in a slasher movie, what would your character's name be? So people get their little thumbs out and they're on their phones and they're putting in names. We get ridiculous names. We get disgusting, sexy names. We get alliterations. And we pick eight players. Only eight. We put your names into the wheel of death. We spin that wheel. Pull it out. And then we read you your fate. There will only be one survivor at the end of the game. Everyone else will die. Seven fatalities, one survivor, and the survivor will win the mystery prize. And I think that's it. That's oh, it, uh, you got to follow the rules. We didn't talk about the rules. Don't have sex. Don't drink. Don't take drugs. Don't take lewds. Don't wander off by yourself. Follow all the scary movie rules, and you might survive. What the hell was that? that I thought you were going to have some more music for us for uh, the final girl hey, intro babe. here. Hey, babe. Will you call Sass? Sass is calling me. Hey, babe. All right, go ahead. So, let's meet this week's contestants. First up, one of the sexiest names that's ever been submitted, I think. Pandora Primrose. Welcome, Pandora. Nothing? That didn't do anything for you? I think Pandora Primrose is it's got no, everything it's, I want. It's got it's two great one. names. Pandora Primrose. We've got the alliteration. Oh, God. Pandora, wherever you are, let's meet. I was, make love. I was distracted. Such a hot name. Yes. Oh, Pandora Primrose. The fact that you've already made a big deal about it means she'll be first to go. <laughs> she probably will. That's die. how it usually oh, works. Oh, God, I hope not. Please don't die, Pandora. We're meant for each other. <laughs> okay. And, uh, oh, I should have mentioned, you're on teams. So we've got eight players, and you're on teams through most of the Final Girl game show, but not until the final round will you be separated. So you'll be on your team with your partner, but at the very last round, if you've survived to that point, you will be ripped in two and no longer on a team together. No. Only one of you will survive. Because one of you might be ripped in two. It's an emotional game. It's heartbreaking. It is. You make friends. You bond because it's a pretty traumatic experience, right? Trying to get away from this killer. And then just like that, only one of you can survive. It's, I mean, uh, yes, you win the mystery prize, but also years and years of therapy that we do not provide. Mm-hmm. We do not provide that. Mm -hmm. It's in the disclaimer. You mm -hmm. should have read the fine print, people. Yep. Okay, so Pandora Primrose, you are teamed up with Bunny Belaski. Another alliteration. We've got Pandora and Bunny. The Papa and the Bubba. Pandora <laughs> Primrose, Bunny Belaski. <laughs> the Papa and the Bubba. Uh, <laughs> can I just call him that for the rest uh, of yes, the Yes, you can, the, the and I hope, I hope and they I'm make it to the end now. Up next is Papa and Bubba. <laughs> All right, let's meet our next team. Peggy Neal. And Mango Jane. Welcome to the show, hey, Peggy and Mango. All right. Up next, Anita Hart and uh, Chris Pinglover. Well, didn't we have Anita Hart last week? We had Anita something. There's yeah. been a lot of Anitas and a lot of uh, uh, Ivanas. Yeah, Ivana and Anita and Ripley's. There's lots of Ripley's. Anita Hart. That makes me think of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, me too, actually. All right, Anita Hart and Chris Pinglover. Crispin Glover. Oh, oh, another one we like. Very that. nice. Hey, thanks for putting a little a little cleverness into your names, people. We yeah, like we do appreciate it. Is that and it? And finally, no. Alistair Wednesday. 
Okay. Frau like Gret Blutfluss. Good Lord. All of these names were good. Not bad. Not bad at all. We have a good group this week. Well done, Hell guys. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You made the cut. You gave us some wonderful names. Now let's see if we can kill you. I kind of oh, want to steal Alistair Wednesday for a book or something. That's a good one. That is a good name. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. All right. In they go. Into the hatch. Let's spin the wheel. How? Okay. Let's see who's coming out of the wheel first. It is Anita Hart and Chris Bingelover. All right. Anita, Chris. When the clock strikes midnight, there's supposed to be a big fight. It's jocks versus nerds. But you think that's absurd. Instead of joining in the fight, you head home and call it a night. You survived. Well done. Sometimes it pays to be boring, people. That's right. In this game in particular. Okay, up next is Pandora Primrose and Bunny Belaski. You don't have enough money for the rent. A homeless man says you can sleep in his tent. It'll only cost you one little kiss. When he puckers his lips, you hiss. You survive. Nice, nice. I don't know, though. I mean, you know. You kind of got by on default on that one because nobody's trying to, you know, kiss a strange homeless man. Maybe. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, it was just one kiss. Right, right. Okay. Up next, Alistair Wednesday and Frau Gret Blutfluss. Uh-oh. On the toilet at your bestie's place, you squeeze out a deuce until you're red in the face. You make a face like an angry troll when you see there's no toilet paper left on the roll. Mm-hmm. You find some more in the cabinet beneath the sink. A question of etiquette makes you think, should the paper go over or should it go under? <laughs> over, of course. Anything else is a blunder. You survive. Oh, that sucks. I go under. Oh, my God, Alex. That could get you killed by a masked, unnamed murderer. I had no idea. I'm an under guy. Yeah. See, you think it's all about just drugs and sex, but, yeah, sometimes these killers are pretty picky. You want to go over with the toilet paper. Sometimes it's about toilet paper directional awareness. (laughs) Do you really go under? Oh, absolutely. Oh, God. I don't know if I can be your friend anymore. Can I ask why? Uh, Yes, I prefer it. But I also have uh, a cat, and my cat uh, would love to just unspool all of the toilet paper into the floor because he thinks it's hilarious. So uh, if I do it backwards, he can. The cat excuse. I'll take it. Yep. Uh, Finally. Bad news. Pe- <laughs> what? Go ahead. Peggy Neal and Mango Jane. Oh, I thought it was the papa and the papa. No, they just survived. Oh, they were okay. our second. Okay, uh, okay. I think they were the ones who wouldn't kiss the homeless man to sleep in his tent. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think I think that was it. Anyway, Peggy, Peggy and Mango. Okay, you're you're the last in the first round. We know what that means. Here we go. Careless Whisper is playing on the radio. <laughs> the song makes you want to have a big O. What could it hurt to diddle your hole while you savoring the voice of George Michael? <laughs> your naughty bits you slap and diddle. In walks a sweaty ghoul with a fiddle. In your bubble bath, your head he submerged. Then on his fiddle, he played your dirge. 
you are dead. I like that. I like that those girls were in the bath masturbating together to George Michael. This is a hot, hot <laughs> game. It's a really hot game, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just used that careless whisper song. I think that's why it was in my brain because uh, I was posting a video on our Instagram of it's from this uh, 1996. I think it's a Japanese horror flick called. Oh, what is it called? Naked Blood. And this girl, the scene I couldn't show is the beginning of the scene where she's literally cutting her own vagina out and eating it. Um, but Ugh. what we could show is what happens after that, which is where she takes a fork and stabs it in her eyeball, wiggles and finally pulls it out and then starts eating her eyeball. And I was like, mm, what could we play under this? I know, Careless Whisper. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> There's that. I posted another one from that movie of this guy... Uh, ripping open a girl's stomach and then he crawls inside and his hands reach out and close her belly and he's in there and I put a uh, Axel F under that one. You're an artist. God, sometimes I just want to add some music. I don't know if people like that or don't like that. They seem to like it. They seem to like it. They do seem to like it. All right. Okay. Rest in peace, Mango and Peggy. Uh, the rest of you are still alive, and we'll find out what happens to you in the next round of Final Girl. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some more about John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Badness. Woo-hoo. Are you tired of having to walk to the bathroom every time you need to pee? There's gotta be a better way. Now there is, introducing Senior Piss Bucket. How does it work? Just place Senior Piss Bucket next to your bed, and when you gotta go, you don't gotta go nowhere. But wait, call now and we'll upgrade your order to our new and improved Senior Plus Piss Bucket. Double the size of our regular piss bucket. Wow, that's a lot of piss. You bet it is. And when it's full, you can just pour it out the window. No more troublesome flushing. Find us at www.piss.com and buy yours today. And while you're there, check out our other bestseller, Madam Shitbox. Welcome back to Slasher. I hardly know her. We're talking about 1994 or 1995's In the Mouth of Madness, starring Sam Neill, directed by horror legend John Carpenter, who has a library of fantastic scary movies, is In the Mouth of Madness. One of them, so far, doesn't seem like it. I don't think either one of us were blown away by this movie. No, I wasn't. I remember not being blown away by this when I saw it. I remember even as a young man. I was like, if it didn't make sense, if it was just scary for scary's sake, fuck that shit. You know, I do need, believe it or not, I do need some plot to my horror. You know, when I saw In the Mouth of Madness, a thumbnail pop up, whatever, I just thought of it. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that when I was young. I want to see that. But as I was watching it, I kind of had a similar uh, remembrance that you did. That I was like, you know what, I actually do kind of remember this being sort of disappointing. Like having some cool parts being sucked in by the mystery but then being over pretty much underwhelmed by the whole thing well you know i don't love supernatural and this goes into that realm of you know there's the scene where he decides to leave town and he can get to the same point in town leaving town every time and then he just kind of warps back 
to the middle of town where there are all these, mm-hmm. you know, rioters. And like, so you can just say that. I mean, like, you know how people complain about Back to the Future, it's time travel rules not making sense. Sure. But they, there's some thought put into it. There are some mm-hmm. rules in place, right? Yeah. There are no yeah. rules in a movie like that. There is nothing. It's like, I mean, the second time out of town, he could have run into a giant ice cream cone. And would that have been ridiculous? I don't know, because it's as ridiculous as fucking anything in this movie. It's just made uh- up. I'll tell you, this is something that's never happened to me before in a movie. Usually I love to stick to the rule, don't tell, show. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't use a lot of exposition. But when they finally got to the exposition where Sutter Kane is explaining mm-hmm. the old ones and why things are the way they are, uh, I was like, oh, thank God. Could you make a little sense of what the hell's been going on here? I was actually hungry for exposition. That never happens for me. Yeah, but when he does find Sutter Kane, Sutter Kane's explanation is basically that even he doesn't get it. He's like, oh, I thought I was writing these words, and now I realize I was making reality. And it's like, what? I mean, like, what? And then there's those fucking doors in the weird uh-huh. Satan uh, uh, church that he's in, and the doors look like they're made of foam rubber and they're oozing stuff. Yep. And he even calls it like he calls it like the the goo or the slime or something. <laughs> and it's like, do you, so what is it? I mean, I don't yeah. know what is it, and it, that's never explained. And so for folks at home, basically this kind of turns a lot of people into zombies. Like, so by reading Sutter Kane books, zombie is the wrong word, but kind of a gorked out killer that has blood dripping from their eyes, right? Yeah, blood comes out of your eyes. Some of them get like bifurcated pupils. Where yes. It looks like each each eye has two pupils. Yes, and the eye thing looked cool. I will say that. Uh, but It's really hard for me to come up with bifurcated pupils. Could you tell how much I was struggling eh, to come up with there. those words? You got there. But also, me not so smart. I mean, like some people get guns and axes and kind of look like deranged and have blood coming out of their eyes. Other people turn into like octopus monsters. Don't know why. I mean, like I don't get that. Uh, sometimes yeah. the lady that... Uh, Sam Neill's with is an octopus monster, but only behind mm. closed doors. But she, I don't know, man. I mean, like, I don't even know. Like, she was, I mean, this movie immediately was shit to me on the trip to yeah. Hobbs End. And it's uh-huh. because, you know, she starts kind of like seeing stuff on the road and spooky yeah. creatures. And, you know, they can't get to Hobbs End because it's not a real place. So they're just going where they think it is based on Sam Neill tearing up the covers of Sutter Kane books <laughs> and making a map out of it. Did that map make any fucking sense to you? You he, know what? He was struck by inspiration while sitting in his what hotel room or apartment. And he starts cutting the covers of Sutter Kane novels uh, along these little red lines that, you know, were part of the art on the cover and then quickly pieces them together and figures out that he has made a map. And I think it is to what New Hampshire and uh, part of New Hampshire. It's part of it's New like, Hampshire. How would you even know? It's just <laughs> part of New Hampshire. Like, we don't know. It's not like he cut it out into the shape of Oklahoma and was like, hey, that's yeah. Oklahoma. You know, it was like it was, it was part like, of New Hampshire. They was like, I bet this fits right. New Hampshire. And it does. 
Hey, nothing gets by Mr. Trent. He figures shit out. So he puts the covers together, and there's a point on the cover that, you know, points to Hobbs in, which doesn't really exist. It's fictional, right? But, hey, they're going to roll the dice, see if uh, maybe this and, – and all this is happening, and Sam Neill's character, Trent – thinks that, you know, this is all bullshit. This is all publicity. This is a yeah. publicity stunt to sell more books. They're pretending that the author Sutter Kane has disappeared uh, just to get people intrigued so that they'll, you know, read the next book. Uh, so they're heading out to Hobbs End. John Trent still thinks this is all a ruse uh, to sell books. So he and Linda Stiles, who also works at the publisher with uh, fucking uh, Ben-Hur, and they go... <laughs> <laughs> and they drive they're driving at night and uh for some reason john trent uh, this is where we learn a little bit more about who he is as a man while linda styles is sleeping next to him reaches into the glove box sneaks his hand inside pulls out a horn a bicycle you know, horn a bicycle that horn. It was not a trombone his, thank you for clarifying. he keeps keeps it in his glove box like you do with your bicycle horn. I mean, who among us doesn't have one or two bicycle horns in their glove yeah. box? Yeah. And like mm-hmm. a terrific asshole, he puts it up to her ear while she's sleeping and <laughs> scares the bejesus out of this woman he hardly knows. And she wakes up and he hides it between his legs and is like, what? Huh? What? Huh? Wait, do you keep anything in your glove box? Uh, what's in my glove box? I think I've got my uh, registration. Yeah. And that's uh, about it. Yeah. When's the last time you open your glove box? Shit, I don't know. A couple of months ago, maybe I never go in there. I mean, like a glove box is a thing I open up the day I get the car, and the day I put the registration in it, and then yeah. the day I sell the car. And oh, my fu- manual's in there too, which is kind of cool because it's an old '88. Oh, that's right. You do have a pretty cool truck. I like that it still has the manual. Yeah, I just—I mean, it's my registration. I think there are a couple of like uh, replacement light bulbs for my brakes and my and my bicycle horn. And that's uh-huh. it. So, so, <laughs> so, so after the, the the bicycle horn, John Trent, investigator, nothing gets by him. Also zany prankster. <laughs> He's they're, also uh, a zany prankster. <laughs> they're, he pulls, driving. It, pulls it off so well. He's like, what? what? I don't know. And then she so, beats him with a bag of chips. And uh, he delivers yeah, the right. classic comic line of, don't. Don't ever hit a driver with chips. And that stayed in the script, and they shot it, and they kept it in the movie. They were probably and, uh, just like, Sam Neill, ad lib, ad lib. And he's like, never hit that driver with chips. I don't know, I don't know why it came out kind of Nazi-like in that last one. but uh, Never hit the driver with chips. <laughs> don't hit the driver with chips. While, while, while he holds his cigarette backwards. <laughs> All right. So they're driving. I think uh, what Sam Neil gets sleepy or whatever. So they switch places. She starts driving. It's nighttime now, and this is when it starts to get weird. Uh, she's driving, and you hear this sound. It turns out to be the sound of playing cards in spokes on a bicycle being ridden by a little kid. They pass them. The lines in the road start to get kind of weird. Uh, it's like they're glowing. They're fiery lines, and uh, and then they. She hears that sound again, and it's a bicycle, same thing, playing cards in the spokes, making that sound. And this time it's it's the same kid, but he's oh, an old man. Looked like an old lady, but supposed to be an old man. and uh, <laughs> Whose head also grew a little. Uh-huh. It's like uh-huh. the prosthetic wasn't made for the kid. They were just like, put this thing on your head, kid. 
Yeah, yeah, it was not a very good prosthetic. Um, it looked very fake. And then I think, th- is it the third time when they hit hit the kid on the bike? They get out. I wasn't really clear. They hit the kid on the bike once or twice or three times. I wasn't clear because it seems to happen, and then it didn't happen, but then it does happen, and they actually get out of the car to go check, and the kid is saying something, right? Like, yeah, something that gives, like, I can't get up, or I couldn't, oh, I can't get out. I can't or, leave. Or I, I can't, can't leave, something yeah. like that, yeah. And then uh, she, like, le- looks back at Sam Neill, and then when she looks back at the kid, the kid is gone, and now he's off on his bike, and Sam Neill's like, well, is she okay? And then somehow Sam Neill goes to sleep again, and then they end up, she goes over a covered bridge, and she floats, God bless I hate these movies where I have to explain something like, oh, here's what happens next. And what happens next is so fucking stupid. And so the car is flying at one point, but then it touches the bridge. And then it goes from night to day while they're on the bridge. And she stops and is freaking the fuck out. And it's daytime now all of a sudden. And boom, they look over and there's a sign that says, welcome to Hobbs End. Yep. They're at Hobbs End. And we'll he wake, there. he wakes up and is like, "Hey, everything's great," because he didn't see any of this weird shit. And it's a picturesque New Hampshire town. It's like these it pretty little main street with shops, but the town is abandoned. There's nobody around. Uh, Sam Neill looks into an antique shop, and he's, <laughs> for whatever reason, really doesn't like antique shops. He's like, "Who buys this shit? Ugh. Where's my Where's my bicycle?" <laughs> he is very anti antique shop. In that one line, I couldn't tell if he was he just doing his accent or was he trying to put on a on an American accent. I think he was. I I really couldn't tell. Well, I read a thing that said that his New Zealand accent kept popping up when he would say certain things. Yeah, but honestly, is that where he's from, New Zealand? I believe so. But I didn't know that. But I I didn't really notice an absent of an absence of Sam Neill's accent. So. Maybe he was doing an American accent, or maybe he was just doing his regular. I didn't take note of it at all. Yeah, yeah. I think he might have just been talking in his voice, which maybe occasionally sounds American. I, I couldn't quite yeah, tell. Yeah, I don't know. He has a but beautiful voice. He's good. I like Sam Neill. I, I do, too. watching Sam Neill movies. I do, too. I so they're in the town. It's a it's abandoned. <laughs> and then this one ever again. Linda Stiles, though, she sees a gang of kids walking by. Chasing a dog. Chasing dogs, and it's a whole gang of kids, and she's like, "What?" And and then looks to Sam Neill, who didn't notice them, and then when they look back, there are no children. There's nobody there. Yeah, the children were extra creepy in this. Yeah, the kids were pretty creepy. And then I think what they do next is they try to find somewhere to stay. They go and they check into this little uh, looks like a bed and breakfast maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the old lady at the front is that sweet little lady who's in so many movies. Uh, what is her name? She's been in so much stuff. She's been in a ton of stuff. I mean, like so much so that my wife goes, "Oh, that lady." Frances you know? Bay. She yeah. plays Mrs. Pickman in this movie. If you don't know the name, I can almost guarantee you, you know you've, her face. You've seen you see her. her. I think she's in some Adam Sandler stuff, too. Yeah, she was in Sandler. I, I just she's feel like, like she If is. pissing your pants is cool, then consider me Miles Davis. Is that her? Isn't that her? I have no idea. It might be her. It could be. Uh, so they check into this place, and 
it's Linda Stiles is like she's a Sutter Kane fan. She's read this shit. So she uh, she already knows, like, the layout of this bed and breakfast. She's like, there's a picture behind the wall if we turn around. And they turn around. Sure enough, there's that picture. Sam Neill starts to walk across the lobby. She's like, there's a loose board right there. He steps on it. There's a loose board. She's also like, oh, to Sam Neill's character, she's like, that's, that's Miss Pickman. She kills her husband with an axe in the book. Sam Neill's like, no, she wouldn't ever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they check into the room. I'm trying to remember where the story goes after that, but we can come back to that, and we'll talk about... When we get into the stuff with Sutter Kane, and this is when shit really starts to hit the fan in the in the next portion of the movie. So we'll we'll unpack that uh, first. Let's play the next round of Final Girl. Round two. Here we go. First, we're gonna put your names into the Wheel of Death. Hurry, 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 hurry. Mm. <laughs> okay. Up first, we have Alistair Wednesday and Frau Gret Blutfluss. Blutfluss. I love it. You know, as I was reading the name Frau Gret Blutfluss, I was like, what if our listeners start, you know, like having a plan to make names that are impossible to pronounce just to make our jobs hard when we play Final Girl? They'd start submitting all consonant names where we're just like, what the fuck? We can't say that. I say They're all names of, I don't know, Norwegian volcanoes. Schlerscherchekerchekerker. All right, ground two up first, Alistair Wednesday and Frau Gret Bloodfluss. <laughs> a black widow spider appears on the table. Should you smash it or let it go if you're able? It would be so easy to use your slipper to squish, but instead you trap the arachnid in a dish. You take it outside and let it go. Unwittingly sparing your immortal soul, you survive. Oh, that's wonderful. That's dangerous work there, catching and releasing a black widow spider. Yeah, but it's real sweet of you to do it that way. I mean, that's really sweet. Yeah, cool. Thank you for that. As a couple of vegetarians who love gore and horror, we appreciate that. Uh, Okay, up next, Pandora Primrose and Bunny Belaski. Such naughty suggestions, who? Doth Miles. Wait, who? Pandora Primrose and Bunny Belaski. Those names don't sound familiar to me. We riffed on Pandora Primrose for a while. Do I you, talked about are how you she and I were going to be together forever. We only have so many times we can do it. I mean, they will eventually die, probably. Up next is Pumpa and Bubba. <laughs> All right. I can't wait to see what All happens. Right. Pumpa and Bubba. Such naughty suggestions doth Miles speak. He's such a nasty little freak. He wants to make out in the nude. You shout, ew, don't be rude. You survived. You survived. Well done. Good job, Papa and Bubba. <laughs> Sounds like those weird names that people come up with for grandparents. God damn it. It does. I mean, maybe we were just boring. I called my grandpa and grandma, grandpa and grandma. Yeah, me but too. there's so many like people who I don't know if they just watched Jodie Foster's Nell and were like, let's use something she said. Like, what do you call your grandpa? Panane. What's your grandma? <laughs> moo moo. Panane and moo moo moo. That's, maybe it's just us because we're from the South. It's a lot of people. I think I, I mean, I, I think we probably just alienated a whole lot of our audience. I mean, I'm no, sorry. I mean, if you like, call your grandparents like P 
Peepaw and Manunu. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I knew Peepaws and Meemaws and Pawpaws and Papaws and... Yeah. I mean, like, Mimi's and Minnie's, and I mean, like, everybody had something, but mine was Grandma and Grandpa. We're boring. Yeah, we're just mad because we're boring. You know yeah. what? You would keep your names. They're, they're, they're awesome. And yeah. don't listen to us grumpy old fucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, finally, out of the hatch come two more names. It's Anita Hart and Crispin Glover. All right. A finger of whiskey, three fingers of Coke. It's your first stiff drink and you nearly choke. You were a good little girl in the past. Sadly, your first drink will be your last. Frozen in an ice cube in your first cocktail is Rasputin's disembodied fingernail, which makes you bloat, then makes you fart, then poisons your blood and stops your heart. No. You're dead. You're dead. Oh, oh rest in peace, Anita and Chris. I'm sorry. That is rough. More dead that is Thank you for playing. Though. Sinking in the swamps of Slasherville. Two more casualties. We've got four dead bodies. We have four survivors. We will play the next round in the next part of Slasher. I hardly know her. Uh, stay tuned. and slash in the morning you asked for it so we're doing it zach's gonna try out dr bombay's home lobotomy ouch the phone lines heat up with another classic crank spankers i'm sorry to have to tell you this ma'am but your son was killed in a terrible accident no that can't be it's just too much to bear i don't want to go on living (laughs) you've been crank spanked you idiot Hello? And our lucky contest winner finally gets to find out what he wins when we play Slasher Roulette. All right, one door hides the prize, the other a maniacal killer. Which do you pick? Um, door number two? Two it is! Uh, a goat? Uh, My prize is a goat? Not exactly. Uh, ah! That's Monday morning on Slasherville's number one horror drive time show, Zack and Slash in the Morning. Horror. 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 Okay, welcome back, Slasher Files. All you slasher heads out there, you gore hounds, you blood lovers, you sick fucks, welcome back to the show. <laughs> you sick fucks. <laughs> We're talking about 1994 or 95's In the Mouth of Madness, directed by John Carpenter. Uh, I got a question for you, Alex. I have answers. Uh We we many a time come together, we sit here and we discuss movies where a lot of people get murdered. And I was wondering, Mm -hmm. how about you? Do you feel like you have the capacity to murder someone? Oh, that's right. You did mention that you had a question for me. I want to know, could you do it? Do you have it in you? And what would it take to get you there? Well, I mean, let's qualify it. Am I just committing cold-blooded murder? Or do I, is there something like fueling this? Well, that's what we got to get to. What would it take? How how much would it take for you to do it? I am... 
I mean, like, if it's, like, to protect my family or something, mm-hmm. 100%. What if it's a child, he's nine years old, and he's chewing on your puppy's leg? I don't, I don't think... Viciously chewing on your puppy's leg. There's a lot of blood here. Okay. He's making strange growling sounds. Was the kid when normal? When you try to stop him? Or is the kid <laughs> actually a zombie? Because if the kid's actually a zombie, I don't feel bad. Hey, man, you're going to have to make that call right there looking at him. I, I couldn't say for certain. All I know is when you try to stop him, he pulled out a good old-fashioned switchblade like he's one of the Jets. How old's this kid? I think he's probably about eight. He's eight? Seven and a half, eight. Yeah. Okay. He's got cool hair, though. I mean, <laughs> well, somehow mistakenly not erased or edited out of a podcast, you know my propensity to shove a 13-year-old into the <laughs> ground who tries to trip me. <laughs> Uh huh. Uh-huh. While running, so <laughs> this kid's adorable. This little kid who's chewing on your dog's leg is deliciously cute. I mean, you just want to pinch his little cheeks. I mean, you just want to eat him up. I I don't. Also, his mouth's covered in blood. Why do I have to? Your k- dog is screaming. Why do I have to kill him? Can I go over there and just kind of like knock him the hell off? He's he's a little kid. You, you, so you just you're just gonna walk up and kick some poor little kid in the face? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Chewing on my dog's leg? Absolutely. No question. Yeah. Because I don't want to. You don't want to stub your toe. You got your house slippers on in this scenario? Yeah. What about you? I don't. Ooh, man, that's tough. Like, fuck. I haven't murdered anybody yet. I've been alive for, it'll be 42 years soon. And uh, the impulse to kill is always there. I don't know about you, but, man, like, I definitely have it in me, you know? I don't think I've got it in my DNA necessarily. Like I as far as I know, nobody in my family's killed anybody or, or anything like that. I'm sure somewhere if you go back far enough, there's a murderer in the family, but I never killed anybody yet. Whether I could do it or not, ooh, that's tough, man. Okay, I so mean, like, let me let me throw out some scenarios for you. A guy is outside in your like your little neighborhood area, a guy you know, right? Like, you know uh-huh. him because he's your neighbor, but right. you don't know him know him, right? Okay. Okay, and, so it's not like you. It's just a neighbor. Right, but you know him, sort of. You've mm-hmm. talked to him a few times. You know who he is. Nice guy, yeah. whatever. It's just your neighbor. You're not like big him. buddies. No, you like him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do. Okay, he's cool. All right. Yeah, All right. you, you like him. But some guy is beating him within an inch of his life when you pull up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. if he, you know takes a couple more kicks on this guy that you do know, but you don't know the guy that's beating on him, just a Mm -hmm. couple of more kicks, he's probably going to die. You Mm -hmm. have moments. And the Mm -hmm. option is, see, I'm going to do you a little different than you did me. The option is you know the one action you can do will kill him. Yep. Or you do nothing. Yeah. So maybe like I've got a gun in the glove box by the time I run over there, it'll be too late. But if I take the shot, I might save him in time. Your All neighbor right. is standing on a chair with a noose around his neck. This guy's okay. about to kick it out. Uh-huh. And it's at a height where strangling is not going to be an issue. It's going to break his neck. Break his neck. He's dead. Bam. Okay. So this guy's about to kick out the chair. You got, you, you just have this moment, and you know the one thing you can do is kill him. Yep. Uh, I think I'm going to kill him. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, because I like my neighbor. This guy's a stranger. I'm going to assume my neighbor didn't do anything to deserve this hanging. And, I mean, you got to think fast, man. You can't hesitate in these situations, so I'm going to have to take him out. Well, as it ends up, your neighbor had been involved in human trafficking. And... (laughs) (laughs) But, no, this is a good one. No, that was a good one. That's good. Uh, I would have killed him. I too. feel like I need to do a better one for you, but I. Well, you yours was terrible. The... I will say that, but we gotta <laughs> we gotta talk about this movie. We can come back to this in another episode, maybe. Okay, uh, that's a good question. Um, shit. All right, that was tough to man. I'm I'm a little bit rattled right now because I just had to. Make I know. A quick it's okay. I just want you to calm down because it is okay. Yeah. It is okay. None of this right. has happened, and you made the right decision. It ended up being the wrong decision, but uh, you didn't know that. You didn't know you were acting in good faith. I didn't know I killed a hero. You killed a <laughs> goddamn vigilante hero, son of a bitch. <laughs> Turned out my neighbor was a Nazi war criminal. Shit. So I was asking you if you read Sutter Kane, and we've gotten to the point where we've gotten to Hobbs and uh, Trent and Miss Styles are there to investigate the disappearance of Sutter Kane, world famous best-selling author. Uh, and they're in a Hobbs End, which is a fictional town that he wrote. But here it seems to actually exist, as do the characters. And, you know, Trent still thinks this is all a hoax. This is all a big setup. Um, and the, I, I'm trying to remember where they go next. They check into the hotel. They've got to start looking for Sutter Kane. Where do they go? They pretty quick get out to that church that uh, has the right? sign on it that says, if you come in this church, you're damned. You're damned. And this church sticks out like a beautiful sore thumb. Yeah, I it's mean, gorgeous. it's just an empty field in a small town, but this thing is massive mm-hmm. and intimidating, um, imposing. It's, it's it's a big church. They go up there. They try to go in, I think, but maybe it's locked. But all these cars start driving up, right? Right. <laughs> the pickup is trucks. so fucking stupid. Yes, bunch of pickup trucks roll And they up. are racing. These fuckers are yeah. blazing a trail towards the church. And, and Miss uh, Styles is like, oh, my God, they have guns. we got to get the fuck out of here. And now Sam one Neal of them doesn't have around. a gun. Every single yeah. one of them does have a gun. And they're like, bring back my boy. Give me back my boy. And so then oh the God. doors open and the little boy's there. And we don't know what's happening. And then the clothes and they open and the little boy's still there. And it's really weird. And then Sutter Kane pops out, who, by the way, has an amazing head of hair. Yes. And uh, they're like, give us the boy, Kane. Give us back our boy. And so instead of doing that, Sutter Kane decides he'll release his pack of Dobermans on these crazy bumpkin redneck hillbillies who, yeah. I want to point out once again, all have guns. But as opposed to shooting the Doberman, like any redneck hillbilly would have done in this scenario, uh-huh. they all fall to the ground and are attacked by Dobermans. Yes. Yeah, Sutter Kane has a lot of Dobermans. He has a lot of Dobermans. But they kept on coming. But those guys had a lot of guns. And they're, they did. they're hillbillies, man. I mean, did anybody even squeeze a trigger? Nobody was there one even, shot fired? There wasn't even a shot fire. They didn't even shoot it in the air to scare the dogs. Nothing. And it wasn't like the dogs and Sutter Kane and them were all within like 10 feet or something. These dogs yeah. had a big run up to get them. Nobody shoots uh-huh. the dogs. Nobody even shoots at the dogs. And then they all get attacked by dogs. It was stupid. Yeah. yeah. And then so Sutter Kane, uh, I'm not Sutter Kane, Trent and uh, Styles, they take off. Uh, I'm trying to remember where they go after that. They leave the church. They're trying to get out of there, right? I noticed you're trying to remember a lot. <laughs> this happens to me all the time. Uh, uh, it, I mean, does it? 
I mean, let me let's be honest. Does it fucking matter what happens next? Does it matter? I know that because it's all the, fucking nonsense from this point on. Yeah, yeah. They there's the guy who tries to warn Trent, um, and he's saying you should just leave. There's the part where Miss uh, what the Dickens or whatever Pickens the uh, the bed and breakfast lady. She has her husband chained to her ankle. Her naked old man and, husband. And she's kicking him, and uh, yeah, and there's also the. Uh, I mean, let's not skip. I mean, that's one thing, but we do revisit that back when she's now turned into an octopus monster. Yeah, she has tentacles. Who is chopping him up with an axe while he's still chained to her? Uh huh. Uh huh. Why we don't know. There's really not much of an explanation for any of this, which is one of the most frustrating things about this movie. No explanation. And and no. if this is right, like oh, Sutter Sutter Kane wrote this. He's writing these are horror novels that have come to life. What's the mm-hmm. fucking plot of the horror novel? Tell me that. I mean, like, yeah. just I mean, is he just writing sentences of horror down? And they're the most popular books in the world. I mean, he's the best-selling author in the entire universe. Wasn't that what they said? I mean, like he's That's outsold. They said. He he's outsold, outsold every single author in the entire world. People are rioting in the streets when they don't have enough books at bookstores to uh, of his newest release or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. What is his fucking story? That's my whole point. If you want to do a movie about a horror author whose works of horror come to life, wouldn't... I mean, there's a plot, man. I mean, it's not like fucking Stephen King is out there just going, eh, and then the tentacle monster chopped off his husband's head, and then this... And, uh, there's a plot, man. There's no fucking plot to this movie. There is no fucking plot. I, I mean, I guess, ultimately... He's trying to bring on the end of the world, right? I mean, that is what we get in the end. But yes. but what's the plot of the books that are coming to life? It, it's nonsense. It's just scary scenes of people being scary. And then in the end, everyone becomes bad because they read Sutter Kane novels or they watched the Sutter Kane movie or mm-hmm. they were killed by someone who did, and that brings mm-hmm. the end of the world. I mean, I know I'm skipping to the end, but I'm just saying yeah. it. You're for you to be feeling around, going, ah, I'm not sure what happens next. I don't fucking think it matters. It's just a yeah. bunch of fucking nonsense. And why would they need to get Trent to Hobbs in to take the manuscript back to the world? It doesn't seem like Sutter Kane has had any difficulty getting his work out to begin with, so why would he need an insurance investigator to come to his town to take the manuscript back and publish it? 100% correct, because that's also a plot point. When they they Mm -hmm. do finally allow uh, Trent to leave, Sam Neill is allowed to leave the town as long as he will deliver this manuscript to the world. And he yeah. he tries burning it, and he tries to do everything he can possibly do to not uh, release the script to the world. But uh, it doesn't matter. Why the fuck do you need Sam Neill? What the fuck? I mean, you could have... I mean, how about Styles? I mean, there was no issue in the world for him to get mm-hmm. his stuff out there in the first place. But Styles seemed to be pretty devoted, and she was from the publishing company. Why not just call Styles over and 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 have her take it? Because she was 100% in. So I don't, yeah, I don't I fucking get it. I think the answer may be that that's just the way things were in 1995. 
you think do you think that 1995 in particular was for some reason this way you know maybe maybe uh but you know, i think really to understand 1995 we, we might need to talk about some more things we probably need to know what else fucking happened that year Good. It'll be a break from talking about In the Mouth of Madness. We'll jump into the news of 1995. Alex, here's what was going on in 1995. We had NASA's Galileo spacecraft arrive on Jupiter in December. That's pretty cool. Going to Jupiter. Uh, With the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, Michael Jordan came out of retirement to return to the NBA. Average cost of a new house was $113,000. Average income, 36 grand. Uh, let's see here. Steve Fawcett becomes the first person to make a solo flight across the Pacific Ocean in a hot air balloon. Sounds fucking boring to me. What are you, what are you doing a basket while you travel across the fucking Pacific? Just whittle, read, keep pulling that little fucking handle to put more fire up in your, in your balloon. To Steve Fawcett. I say why, Steve? Why? All right, what else? O.J. Simpson was found innocent. Was that in 95? When the world learned if you got enough money, you can get away with murder. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Wow. Uh, Windows 95 came out. And <laughs> that does make, that, that, you know, that checks out. There was uh, something. It was an optical disc storage media format that was announced, which would later be known as Digital Video Disc, a.k.a. a DVD. Popular films from 1995. The first ever wholly computer-generated film, Toy Story. Oh, my gosh. A classic. Batman. Yeah, that is a classic. I love that one. Andy. Batman Forever. Apollo 13. There's a snake in my boot. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, Goldeneye, Casper, Jumanji, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Braveheart. Hmm, Die Hard with a Vengeance was not bad at all. What about some horror movies? You got some horror ones? I got some horror movies, and before I do horror movies, I've got, what were people listening to in 1995? Oh, it's a new segment. We got Weezer, Smashing Pumpkins, Rage Against the Machine, Van Halen, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Alanis Morissette, Madonna, Garth Brooks, Blues Traveler, Harmonica Man, and uh, now it's time for those scary movies. Oh, man, but I'd put a 1995 playlist on based on that list right now. What was that blues traveler song everybody was singing? Uh, ah, why you want baby run the man? So far away, treat me up and That's my harmonica. He's a hell of a harmonica player. I remember that. I know, much. I've seen his vest. Uh, all right, and I think it's pretty impressive that you remembered every lyric from that song. I mean, wow. it was that impeccable, was, was it not? I mean, it was, wow. I mean, yeah. I, I surprised That's myself. how I sing most songs. <laughs> I saw some video by some, uh, you know, guy who's, you know, pretending to be an expert on Instagram. Maybe he was an expert. I don't fucking know. But he was talking about how there's like two different people, people who will remember lyrics to songs, uh, you know, and can remember them quickly and they stick. And then people who more or less just hear like the melody uh, uh, and what the music does and have a hard time remembering lyrics. And I think I'm in the, the second group. Like, I, I'll remember melodies all day and be able to go, like, scat 
whatever it was. <laughs> oh, you know that song that's like <laughs> And my fiance, she'll be able to tell you all the lyrics, but maybe not the tune. There was the incident of where we brought our girlfriends at the time, what, who, one of whom ended up being my wife, uh, mm-hmm. uh, to hear us sing karaoke. And we did, you and I did Bohemian Rhapsody, and they both agreed that it was the most horrific thing they'd ever had happen to their oh. ears. <laughs> Whereas a month prior or something, we had done Bohemian Rhapsody without uh, those people present. Yeah. And I am not kidding you. They literally carried us off the stage because they were so impressed by us. I mean, do you remember that? It was like at that New Orleans lounge or whatever. I, see, I've, here's, I do remember that there were two sessions of you and me uh-huh. trying to do Bohemian Rhapsody, uh-huh. and we did one, and we were amazing, and yeah. then we wanted to do it again, right, to recreate the magic, and it just fell the fuck apart. Yeah, but we, we did it, like yeah, and we did it in front of our girlfriends. animals. So they, can, they could not, they were like, oh, well, I guess that story about where they were amazing, and everybody in the audience, like, you know, adored them, uh, was a lie. But it wasn't. Well, I mean, we were, we were fucking rock stars that night. And then when our girlfriends came, it was uh-huh. like that clicked on. It was like, you know what? And yeah. We also were a lot drunker, I will say. But uh, yeah, that could it, have been it. It did not that first come out. Night, though, the first time, I mean, yeah, like you said, they, they hoisted up on their I, I shoulders. Mean, they were I'm like, your even, drinks are free tonight. <laughs> they started kidding? singing, I mean, he's a jolly good fella. It was a huge yeah. deal. I mean, they were like, <laughs> these, I mean, they were amazed by us. Yeah. <laughs> we killed Bohemian Rhapsody. And that was it, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so uh, we're thirty. Should we entertain the notion <laughs> that maybe we were so drunk that we just thought no, we were really good? No, that well, maybe the audience was so drunk. I don't know. I mean, they were maybe, into maybe. us. They were eating us alive. Uh, and my wife listens to this podcast, and she won't believe a word of it because she was there for the uh-huh. second one. All right. Well, let me lay out those scary movies for you from '95. We'll okay. go through it. We had Species, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, Vampire mm. in Brooklyn, The Prophecy. Halloween, Curse of Michael Myers, oh, yeah. Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh, Lord of Illusions. I think that's another Carpenter, right? Hideaway, like Tales that. from the Hood, Village of the Damned, Interview with a Vampire, The Mangler, one of my favorites. Uh, the first movie I ever saw in a theater came out. It was Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and that is it for 95. Uh, New Nightmare is a piece of art. I haven't seen that in so long. I would love to see it. I remember that kid did a hell of a job, the little boy in that movie. That fucking movie is so meta and well done, and ugh, it's so good. Uh, yeah, uh, let's not get into that. Let's. I know we got to. We got to get out of here. And the producers are saying, "Wrap it up." All right, let's spin the wheel of death. Hurry, 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 hurry! No, no. All right, up first we got Alistair Wednesday and Frau Gret Bloodfluss. Ooh. Oh, I know what that means. From somewhere far away, you hear a strange voice say, follow the sound of my voice. You answer, nope. Good choice. You survived. Hey. <laughs> yep, don't follow weird voices. Sure Good to job, the point, and you did the right Good thing. Good job, Frau. Yep. Oh, no, I know why you're sad. I'm I sad, know, too. right? It's Pandora Primrose Who? and Bunny Belaski. I'm sorry. <gasps> Papa and Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Papa and Bubba. It doesn't count as sex. It was only a tickle fight. 
So we tickled each other's bits. I think we'll be all right. But the fates, they disagreed. Their wheels were already turning. By midnight, you were tied to a stake, mm. choking on the stench of your young skin burning. You are dead. <laughs> dead. Burnt. Ugh. All right. Bonnie. Pandora Primrose Papa and Bubba rest in peace <laughs> it's hard to let you guys go we love you guys Alistair Wednesday Frau Gret Blutfless you are going to survive to the final round we'll see who makes it to the very end when we come back hey friend can I ask you a question um Sure. When's the last time someone actually offered to let you lick their psoriasis elbow? Um, never? Exactly. It seems like more and more nowadays, even your closest friends are selfishly keeping that deliciously flaky skin all to themselves. What are you talking about? That's why I invented Saul's Psoriasis Suckers, made with all natural flavors and the deliciously flaky skin you've been craving. No one is asking for that. Available in cherry, lime, caramel, and natural elbow flavor, Psoriasis Suckers are now available without prescription. What type of doctor would prescribe that? Saul's Psoriasis Suckers. Ask your realtor about them today. Realtor? How'd you get in my house? So we've been talking about 1994 and 1995's uh, In the Mouth of Madness, John Carpenter. So far, we're not crazy about it, um, th but there's definitely things to like about it. It's, it's. I love that they went for that weird thing. I love that it's, uh, maybe, maybe that's what we should talk about. What, what did they get right in this movie that we weren't blown away with? What, what did they get right exactly? So I like the idea of a town you can't leave. I think that was cool. He's trying to leave. He's trying to drive away, but he always ends up back in the town. Um, you know, and I like the old Lovecraftian themes of ancient gods pulling all the strings. Um, and I like the idea of an author whose work comes to life and you've got to question what's real and what's not. You know, I think at the end of the movie, it even gets to uh, like a climactic point where Sutter Kane and Trent are talking to each other. And he's saying, you know, I, I wrote you. And Sam Nils like wondering if he's a crazy person, like because Sutter Kane is claiming that he's one of his characters, and he can verify it in the book when he reads the book. Like he can see that Sutter Kane wrote the things that happened to him. So Andy wrote did his he name. write them into existence, or yeah. was he watching him? But he and he, what he wrote his name. He wrote him by name, and so yeah. the movie that eventually comes out about the Sutter Kane book uh, yeah. has his character's name, Trent, whatever. And so then he definitely is wondering what the fuck. And mm -hmm. he goes back to Charlton Heston and says, Hey man, you, you, you can't publish this book. I mean, like I, you just can't do it. The world's going to go crazy. And he goes, what are you talking about? You brought me this book seven months ago and we've already published it. Or you brought me this book a year ago or whatever. We, mm -hmm. pu we published mm -hmm. seven months ago. And the movie comes out next week. And yeah. and I do love when he's talking to the, the, the uh, probably the thing I like the most about this movie mm. is Sam Neill now crazy in his cell at the mental institution. Right. Yep. 
because I think he plays that what really well. And when he's talking to the doctor, he goes, "Yeah, everybody that reads it's gonna go fucking crazy, and the world's gonna end." And the doctor says, "Well, what about people that don't read?" And he goes, "There's a movie." And within moments of that, uh, Sam Neill, you know, hears all this awfulness and people being murdered and just craziness coming outside of a cell. It unlocks. He goes outside. And uh, every, I mean, you don't see any bodies, right? You just see chaos. And also Mm -hmm. there's Sutter Kane books laying everywhere, which I think was stupid. But, uh, you know, just chaos. Like the mental institution was ransacked and he walks out into the town. There's no guard stopping him and there's no one. I mean, he sees no one. There's nobody moving. There's no cars. There's just no nothing. And he makes his way to a movie theater that is showing that movie and he gets himself a big thing of popcorn and he goes to watch the movie and uh it's just clips from the movie you and I just watched and i like that part that part was good to me i love sam nil sitting in a theater watching his own life and laughing maniacally <laughs> lost his mind he's like i really have lost my mind i'm crazy the world's crazy and what else can you do but laugh and his laugh at first is just like (laughs) you know but then it gets like really concerning where it's like crying laughing screaming kind of thing and sam neil pulled that scene off really well of just the madness of that he's a he's a damn fine actor you know maybe with a better script and better execution we would have had a a terrific mindfuck movie on our hands, but it didn't quite get there. He's a damn fine actor. K&B did some uh, amazing physical effects with the exception of that boy on the bike whose head was yeah. too big uh, uh, and just kind of came off looking like an old lady. I mean, that didn't look good. Uh, ILM, I think there were probably some wins there. It did not look amazing in 2023. It uh, did not. It, it definitely did. Yeah. Well, I remember the trailer for Lawnmower Man looking amazing. And if you watch that now, you're like, ooh, that's, that's, that's So, see, I mean, like, that might be that might be something that, you know, I can I can give some points to because, yeah. you know, we, we're much more advanced in what we can see now. But I also don't love CGI. I think CGI looks like CGI. It doesn't matter how good yeah. it gets. It looks like CGI. Yeah. And I think practical effects are amazing. It can be is the best. I mean, they do mm-hmm. such good uh, practical effects. Yeah. So, uh, that- Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about that one scene where it's the – uh, it's, uh, Styles is making out with Sutter Kane or something like that, and the back you hear something rip, and this monster is coming out of the back of his head. Like that looked that looked pretty good. I mean, it was ridiculous, but it looked cool. <laughs> you got a crunchiest kill. Ah! Crunchiest kill. Down to business. Crunchiest kill. I thought about this last night, like after the movie was over. I'm like, what the fuck is going to be the crunchiest kill? I'm trying to even remember who dies. Like there's the husband who's handcuffed to the uh, Miss Pickman's ankle. But who else dies? I guess the uh, the agent gets shot when he tries to hack up Sam Neill in the mm-hmm. diner scene at the beginning. Um, who else does die? Uh, well, then there's the guy that played... The big bad in Ghostbusters 2 shoots himself in the head. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, They they tilted down for that one. We didn't get to see it. Good. I didn't want to see that. Uh, And 
what else do you have? I mean, you have some other like assumed deaths, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll just give you mine because I'm afraid you're going to steal it. And it doesn't matter. We can have the same one. But I mean, I think that the best death was that old man with the octopus mama uh, yeah. who was chained to his leg. Uh, the lady from the Adam Sandler movies that may or may not have been in the Adam Sandler movies. Although I'm pretty positive she, I'm pretty positive she was the grandma that he did everything for in Billy Madison. He was trying to save her house. I think that's her. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's that actress. Uh, so, so that means it's a different lady who does the Miles Davis line, right? I don't. I believe so. I think the Miles. Davis, I, I can picture her, and I think she's a different woman. And we are definitely mm-hmm. not talking about the rapping granny. Mm-hmm. It's a completely <laughs> different person if you're our age. Uh, now, s- among our crunchiest kills, can we can we also include the orderly's testicles? <laughs> sure, if you want, if you want to say crunchiest <laughs> kills were for the orderly's testicles, uh, you can have it. Yeah. There aren't really very many crunchy kills in this movie. So you took the the old man getting axed by his tentacled wife, uh, which really, for me, only leaves with those other two. So I guess I'm going to have to give it to the crazed agent who tries to kill Sam Nill in the diner and ends up getting shot by the police. Okay, so we have awarded our crunchiest kills, which admittedly weren't so crunchy uh, yeah. in the mouth of madness, did not have a lot to offer in, in the in the kills department. What we have not done yet is rate this sucker. Okay. So, uh, let's see. How many, hmm, how many, I don't know, tentacle hacks, husband-hacking uh, grandmas, uh, how many crucifix covered Sam Neils? Ooh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you like that one? All right. Well, we he did. Winner. He did cover himself in crucifixes and his entire cell in the end. Yes, he's got like a little crayon or charcoal, and he's he's drawing crucifixes all over his face and his entire padded cell. All right, then, Alex. How many crucifix covered Sam Neils would you give to 194 slash 1995s in the mouth of madness? I am on the fence as to whether I will give it a this or that, but I'm going to give it a this, not a that, and my this is three. I will give it three crucifix-covered Sam Neils. I wanted to give it a four because I saw the potential, right? I Mm. I mean, like, it was there. And, and like, for the first, like, 30 minutes of the movie, I'm in and it's intriguing. This is a yeah. neat little plot about how this horror movie author goes missing mm-hmm. and they're going to find mm-hmm. him. And when Sam Neill cuts up the books, which I think was a little stupid, but they all fit yeah. together and it's in New Hampshire. I'm like, this is going to be cool. And then the writers just wrote stuff. They could have gone to some sort of horror fan fiction website where it was like, there's a, you know, this guy in the forest who does this, whatever. Sure. We'll just fucking pile it in at this point. We're just telling uh-huh. a bunch of different horror stories. So I saw the potential 30 minutes in. I'm like, this couldn't be good. And it wasn't. And it had a yeah. very unsatisfying ending for me. I would give it a 3 out of 10, would not recommend. 
Ouch. Oh, man. And we don't do that often because we love a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I'm also going to give it a three out of ten. I, it's, this, it's the same experience, man. It's like you see all this potential and you're potential. like, I like where this is going. Uh, apparently enough that it erased my memory of how not amazing it turned out to be from way back when when I saw it when it first came out on video. But, yeah, there it, it was. There was so much that could have happened that didn't. It just needed, I don't know, they needed that punch up the script or something or hand it over to William Golden and let him look at it. Is it anyway, weird so. that I feel oddly validated that you gave it the same rating as me? I was right there with you, man. Yeah. I was in the exact same position of on the fence between three or four out of ten on that one. I want you know, I want to punch it up to I four just because better. Sam Neill turns it a good performance. Yeah, the, he uh, does. The practical effects are good. And Carpenter there did a good job. There is an idea there. What'd you say? Carpenter did a good job. I mean, like yeah. the direction yeah. of it, the the look of the movie. There's a lot of goodness there. But I mean, all that said, you can have the most beautiful thing in the world. And in the end, if it makes no sense, it makes no sense. But we need to play Final Girl because we're at 30 minutes. Dear God, we talk a lot. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, there are a lot of dead people here at the Slasherville Studios where we record slasher i hardly know her one two three four five six fatalities we have two survivors so far they are alistair wednesday and frau gret blutfluss you two have been on a team and now if you listen closely you will hear the sound of a little slip of paper ripping oh now we've got to put you into that wheel of death and spin it hurry 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 nom, nom, nom. <laughs> It is Alistair Wednesday. Looking good for you, Alistair. Let's see what happens. Okay, Alistair. You're a lousy, stupid sack of shit. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? The bully pushes you because you're meek. You take the high road and turn the other cheek. You survive. You survive. Oh. Well done. Wow, that's you know that's an impressive feat there to get pushed around and turn the other cheek. Right, yeah, it's Take tough the to high do. road. Not easy to do. Okay, Frau Gret, Blood Plus, not looking good for you. Let's see what happens. You push the quiet kid to the ground. <laughs> she hardly even made a sound. You laughed and proudly walked away. It looked like you had won the day, but nope, you're fucked. You're gonna die. Soon something pierces your hazel eye. Then two, then three, then four did stab. You in the eye and then he dabbed. Who? A man in a kimono and a ghost face mask who pulled out a power tool like super fast. He tick-tock danced as he walked up to you. With a nail gun, he shot you as he said, pew, pew, <laughs> you are dead. <laughs> That's a great one. Rest in peace, Frau. Oh, Miss Bloodfluss, you are dead. Which means, Alistair Wednesday, you are the winner. You are our final girl. Congratulations. Well done, Alistair Wednesday. Well done. Both on well the done. name pick and uh, surviving. Uh, so all you got to do now is you got to head on over to the slasher. I hardly know her Instagram page. And then you've got to message us and say, hey, 
I heard that I won. Send me my prize and we will get all those details from you and then we'll get your prize in the mail, which again, I'd like to point out as I have for the last three weeks uh, or three episodes, this is a very cool prize and it comes in a very cool container. And I don't have it because Micah won't send it to me. It's it's in progress. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, so we only got one more thing to do, Micah. It's my favorite part of the show. It's when you reveal what movie uh-huh. we'll be watching. We don't know which movie it's going to be. Alex and I pick a movie each week and spring it on the other guy, and they have to watch it no matter how good or bad it is. Well, Alex, tell me, tell me what's it going to be. I have not seen this. I'm biting this. my nails, bro. I know that on the you edge of my have not seen this. And uh, we are going to uh, go quite a few years into the future from the movie you just picked to 2009. Okay. And we are going to watch the horror thriller, The Telling. The Telling. The Telling. Wait, 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 wait. Three terrifying tales revolve around a murderous doll, a film crew of the undead, and a psychotic killer. Is is this is, is this, this uh, the girls of uh, fucking Hef's girlfriends? Is it Holly and Bridget? Is this? The... <laughs> Fuck. This, this is, is it, have you seen this? I've not seen this. No, I. You haven't seen it, so you just I know not... wild card here. I haven't even seen a trailer. Is it? Are we in for a heaping pile of trash, or Man, is this going to be good? I know nothing about this at all. I know. Here's what I know. I know yeah. that the making of this movie was featured on the Girls Next Door. Uh, because, and I know that because I read it, and uh-huh. my wife listens to their podcast and yeah. heard that this movie was a thing. And was like, we've got to do this movie. I want to be a guest again. I want to be a guest again. This is my pick. And so on the next episode, you will also get to be with my lovely wife, Heather. Oh, good. That was my next question was, is she going to come on the show since she lobbied so hard? This (laughs) This is her movie, man. I mean, like she's been pulling for this forever. I came up with a thousand things this week that I wanted to do. It was like, no, we got to do this one. Oh, I'm excited to have her on. We we need to have more guests on. I love it when somebody comes on. I was thinking about the, uh, Jacoby when he came on. He had COVID, so I feel like we owe that guy another spot on the show because uh, he was he was so sick when he was on. There's also there's a there's a uh, somebody that follows us on Instagram. He's a uh, he's like 15 years old and he interviews uh, a bunch of people that are in the horror movies and he gets some good interviews, man. I don't know if he lives in LA or just goes there, but he gets or goes to conventions, but he gets a lot of cool interviews. He loves horror. He's 15 years old. He actually submitted one of the names. He was uh he was Bubba in Papa and Bubba. But uh I think his name's Dax. I'd have to look it up again, but I think it'd be cool to have a young horror lover on the show. All right. Well, a lot to look forward to. I uh, look forward to watching The Telling, st- directed by Bridget Marquardt, starring Marquardt. That's a fun name to say. Marquardt. Marquardt. Just a reminder, I love you. Yeah. I love you, brother. And Let's I love do doing it again this soon. show with you. This was a good one. Oh, and hey, listeners, thanks for coming on this fucking long-ass yeah, episode with absolutely. us uh, into, into the Mouth of Madness. 
and uh, you know, hop on Apple or whatever you use, and you know, give us that five star rating. Tell your friends, subscribe, whatever you need to do. Smash some buttons or smash your friend, whatever you want to do. Uh, but but <laughs> thanks for listening to the show. Uh, yeah, so we'll be back with the telling next time, starring some Playboy bunnies or former Playboy bunnies who are now wrinkled old bags of trash. <laughs> <laughs> See you in two weeks, everybody. You think Bridget's going to come on now? <laughs> Just kidding. We love you, Bridget. Bridget.